fanatics podcast i'm your host uh james and uh, i'm here with nate what's up man so um for this podcast we'll just be recapping what happened in the nfl divisional playoffs this past weekend we'll be previewing uh the upcoming slate for the afc and nfc championship we'll also be talking about some nba pickups as well as some nhl pickups for fantasy and also previewing the slate in both of those leagues, as well as uh, ending with an injury report on any injuries happening in the various leagues. But first, we'll take a look at the recap of the divisional playoffs. Uh, we'll hop right into it, Nate. We'll start with uh, Saturday's games. Uh, the earlier game had the LA Rams at the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay winning this game 32-18. to As usual, Aaron Rodgers was his MVP-level self. Uh, he threw uh, 296 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, running back Aaron Jones rushed for 99 yards and a score, as well as Jamal Williams adding 65 yards on the ground. Uh, Alan Lazard caught four passes for 96 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams had nine catches for 66 yards and a touchdown, as well as Robert Tunyon adding four catches for 60 yards. Um Going over to the Rams, Jared Goff threw for 174 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Cam Akers rushed for 90 yards and a touchdown. Josh Reynolds caught three passes for 65 yards. Robert Woods, eight passes for 48 yards. And Van Jefferson caught six passes for 46 yards and a touchdown. Nate, let me get to you on this game. Uh, what did you think of this game, uh, both with the Packers and with the Rams? I mean, you said it, uh, Aaron Rodgers is in MVP form right now. And the Rams were supposed to be like the number one defense and Aaron Rodgers still like he took that defense apart. Yeah. And it's like the he has wide receivers are good. It's like you have a perfect storm of an MVP form quarterback and good wide receivers. So it's like he kind of showed like even with like the best defense in the league, Aaron Rodgers can still put touchdowns. Yeah, like just even looking at this whole team, you mentioned the receivers. And let me mention the running backs. Um, Aaron Jones went for almost 100. Jamal Williams went for 65. Uh, they put up 164 yards total just between the two of them on the ground. That's only on the ground. They also added, uh, I believe Aaron Jones added uh, 14 yards through the air as well. So um, it's their whole offense. Their offensive line is great, and they're just looking uh, really great heading into the NFC championship. Uh, what about your thoughts on the Rams? Uh, I think that the the Rams, their biggest problem was the offense. Um, they had only about like was three touchdowns. Uh, I think Cam Akers, uh, Goff, and Van Jefferson. Yeah. Although, yeah, like they just couldn't find a way to keep up with the Packers and I guess holding the Rams to that, I think you also have to give credit to the Packers defense. I think they've shown that they have an elite offense and an elite defense, and they're showing why they're uh, one of the contenders to go the entire way and win the whole Super Bowl right now. Yeah, um, just a correction there, two touchdowns. Uh, Goff's touchdown was thrown to Jefferson, and the, the reason they have 18 is because they scored a two-point conversion. That was by Cam Akers. 
So oh, right, right, yeah, right. so two touchdowns and 18 points they had. And yeah, um, the Rams, their defense was good, but Aaron Rodgers just seemed to have that mindset that he knew what he was doing and the Packers got the job done. Um, let me just jump right into the next game. Saturday evening game on the AFC side, it was the Buffalo Bills beating the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the Bills were at home. They won 17 to three. Uh, unfortunately, Lamar Jackson went down with an injury in this game. He really changed the tide of the game. Um, Jackson, while he was in the game, uh, he threw for 162 yards. And then that infamous uh, pick six that he threw, uh, Tyler Huntley came in to replace him. He threw for 60 yards passing. Uh, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins both had 10 carries for 42 yards on the ground each. Uh, Lamar adding 34 yards on the ground himself, as well as Huntley adding 32 and then Marquise Brown had four catches for 87 yards. J.K. Dobbins adding three catches for 51 yards. And Mark Andrews had four catches for 28 yards. Um, from when Lamar Jackson went down, this offense really didn't do that much. Uh, they just really struggled to get anything done on this Bills defense. Uh, jumping to the Bills, Josh Allen threw for 206 yards and a touchdown. Devin Singletary rushed for 25 yards on the ground. And he caught uh, three balls for 12 yards receiving. Uh, Stefan Diggs had eight catches for 106 yards and a touchdown. And John Brown uh, caught eight passes for 62 yards. And yeah, this team just really, um, they really got the job done. They only needed one offensive touchdown. The other one was a defensive touchdown. Um, what are your thoughts on the Buffalo Bills heading into the AFC Championship? And then just maybe your thoughts on what happened with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I'm honestly really surprised that, um, the score was like this low, like 17 to three. I think that the Buffalo bills, like I was thinking like their pass defense would be good, but I wasn't expecting their run defense to be this good as well. Like being able to stop all three of the Ravens biggest uh, weapons on running. Um, not a lot of teams can say that they've held the Ravens to three points, but the bills can say that. And it's kind of unfortunate that uh, Lamar got injured. Um, the, prop, the score probably would have been a lot um, closer if he didn't get injured, which yeah, I'm sure is well. a, yeah. yeah, it's a big disappointment for Ravens fans. But uh, at least uh, Lamar Jackson proved that he can still do, do something in the playoffs. So I think next year we're, we can expect some good things from him yeah i think it was just unfortunate uh, i know that uh, we were split on this game when we were in the predictions last week and i think that this game really would have come down to the wire if lamar jackson had stayed in the whole game because this ravens defense did really well against a buffalo offense that was just pouring it on on most teams this season so i think that definitely this game um I, although the score co scoring could have been higher um, it was definitely low scoring for that reason. Um, anything left to add on this game? Uh, I think that, honestly, this is going to be like, I don't know about like a rivalry, but it's going to be interesting to see these two teams match up against each other next year as well. Yeah, apparently they said this was the first time that these two teams have ever matched up because we know that the Ravens didn't come into the league uh, until the late 90s and Buffalo by that time weren't a playoff team so this was their first ever playoff matchup against each other and like you said hopefully we can see more of these matchups between Jackson and Allen in the future yeah I'm looking forward to it 
Yeah, I think that they'll be great. Um, going on to the next game, uh, the Sunday afternoon game, uh, we had uh, the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I know, Nate, you were really excited to see Cleveland moving on last week, but unfortunately they couldn't get it done this week, even with the Patrick Mahomes injury. Um, just before I read out the stats, um, what are your thoughts on the Bills, uh, both in this game and this season as the Bills, uh, or the not the Bills, the Browns? Um, what are your thoughts on the Browns, uh, both this week um, and this season as a Browns fan? Um, well, I think as a Browns fan for this season, I'm really happy with what the Browns have done. Um, they've proved that they're a playoff team now. And I think that next year they're going to be better. And I think Baker's officially proved himself like all the Browns fans who were, they were still hopeful for Baker. I guess I'm thinking that they're, they feel uh, vindicated because they knew that like Baker was a good quarterback. You can't just win the Heisman trophy and be a bust. Right. Mm -hmm. So Baker's proof that no, he's not a bust. He's just had a really tough situation with the Browns just like a bunch of other quarterbacks have. Johnny um, Manziel. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the Browns organization has been kind of a tough organization to play for as a quarterback, but I think with the, the right coach, um, it's, uh, I think Baker's proved that he's been able to get the job done. So I think in that respect, I think it's been a successful season. But... Yeah, it was just a really disappointing game to uh, see them come up short against Kansas City. Yeah, I can imagine that. I know when Patrick Mahomes went down, I really thought that Cleveland had a chance to take this game. But I believe it was uh, Andy Reid's fantastic coaching that really helped the Chiefs seal the deal in this game uh, with a backup quarterback in Chad Henney. Um, just getting to the stats here, Patrick Mahomes threw for 255 yards and a touchdown before he went down. Chad Henney threw for only 66 yards and that interception in the end zone. Um, Daryl Williams on the ground had uh, 13 carries for 78 yards and Patrick Mahomes added 14 yards and a score on the ground. Um, through the air, Tyreek Hill, eight catches for 110 yards. Travis Kelsey, eight catches for 109 yards. And Kelsey also added a receiving touchdown. McCole Hardman also had four catches for 58 yards going to the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield threw for 204 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Nick Chubb at 69 yards on the ground. And Kareem Hunt had 32 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. Uh, Rashard Higgins had 88 yards receiving on five receptions, David Njoku, four catches for 59 yards, and Jarvis Landry had seven catches for 20 yards and a touchdown. Um, just your thoughts, I guess, on maybe what the Browns could have done better in this game against Kansas City. Uh, I know Andy Reid was a big part in the Chiefs actually holding on to their lead, but what could the Browns have done better in this game? I think that um, one thing that I think they could have done better was their adjustment adjustments. I think that they started um, running the ball too late. Um, they were like down, like it wasn't a lot, like in terms of like every single score you've ever seen, but just by based on how the pace of the game was going, um, they didn't have enough time to catch up with just running, even though it was very effective. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that they were 
uh, doing too many passes at the beginning, and Kansas City was doing a really good job of protecting uh, the passes from Baker. So I think that they should have um, switched to the run immediately, try to get Chubb and Hunt to open up um, passing lanes for Baker. Um, I guess another thing, I guess it's going to be a little controversial, but I guess for Higgins, it's kind of like disappointing because he's been, he played really good. Well, I think yeah, if you're going to talk got, about that, that touchback or I don't know, was it a touchback or what did they rule it as? They ruled it as a, as a touchback. Basically he got, he got the ball and it was knocked out of his hands in the end zone. So they ruled it a touchback, but some people have said that it should have, uh, shouldn't it shouldn't have counted as a touchback because of the helmet to helmet hit. So there was that. I know some Browns Browns fans are going to be saying if they got if they got the um, touchdown, then yeah, they, they could have won the game because it was a yeah. five point game. So yeah, yeah, um, that was definitely something that I questioned as well. Um, I think the call could have gone either way. Uh, it was unfortunate that it didn't go the Browns' way, as I think the Browns kind of did deserve that call. But at the end of the day, um, Mahomes also went down for Kansas City, so things happen both ways. And I think as a Cleveland Browns fan, you can be proud of the way this season went. It was a lot different from other seasons. And I guess you guys have a lot to look forward to in the future. I think one thing I'll say is that like, if they can have a close game like this against Kansas, imagine next year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Getting, a, uh, you know, some of their, their players back. I know they, a lot of their players battled COVID battled injuries. Definitely. They they'll have a more a grown team as well. You know, they would have, had a lot more experience and so on. I think it'll definitely be beneficial for Cleveland next year. Um, and then just moving on in the slate uh, to the last game of the the week, it was the Sunday night game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints. The Buccaneers actually won this game. They won it by a score of 30 to 20. Um, yeah, once again, Tom Brady just winning in the playoffs. Uh, he threw for 199 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Leonard Fournette had 63 yards rushing on the ground and Ronald Jones had six, 62 yards rushing on the ground. Tom Brady also rushed for a, a touchdown. Um, the, actually, the the receiving was pretty spread out. Uh, Cameron Brate, four catches, 50 yards. Leonard Fournette, five catches, 41 yards and a receiving touchdown. Chris Godwin, four catches and thir for 34 yards. And uh, the rest of the receivers uh, only had one catch, which was really interesting, for especially for guys like Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. The Saints defense really had good coverage in this game. Uh, I think the Bucs just found different ways to exploit them, especially on the ground. That was one thing that they did really well. Um, going to the Saints, uh, Drew Brees threw for 134 yards and a touchdown. He did throw three interceptions, which is one of the main reasons why they lost this game. Uh, Jameis Winston also stepped into this game. He threw a pass for 56 yards, and that was a passing touchdown. Um, Alvin Kamara rushed 18 times for 85 yards on the ground. And uh, in terms of the receiving game, Traquan Smith, uh, three catches for 85 yards and two touchdowns. Emmanuel Sanders caught six balls for 48 yards. And Jared Cook caught five, pass, five passes for 28 yards. So, um, yeah. Surprisingly, Michael Thomas, no catches in this game. That is one thing that I really looked at, and I said they really should have gotten Thomas involved in this game. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game for both sides? Uh, 
Well, I mean, it looks like Tom Brady's trying to pull a Bill Russell. He's trying to, he's got all the rings on one hand. Now he wants rings on the other hand. <laughs> so he's looking really determined to kind of finish, finish all his fingers. Um, I think like, it's like same with like Aaron Rodgers. you have good receivers and you have an MVP level quarterback. It's like a perfect storm. And the saints were like top five um, defense this year and mm. they still couldn't stop Tampa Bay that says a lot about about uh, how good Tom Brady is I think yeah Brady looked fantastic in this game uh, he was just uh, throwing with precision I know the defense was uh, very tight and he had a tough time fitting passes into certain windows but uh, he was able to get a lot of passes through and definitely his defense helped in terms of field position, you know, getting the, those uh, four, I think it was four takeaways total because Jared Cook had that fumble as well. So definitely the defense helped with that. And then Brady was able to capitalize when he got into the red zone. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Saints in this game? Um, I think it's uh, kind of unfortunate that Drew Brees got those interceptions but they were able to keep it close. Like I said, the the Saints are still a good defense. Um, I they wouldn't just let any team like run away on them like that. I think that like a ten point game is like at least at least like it's only like ten points against Tom Brady. It definitely could have been worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's uh, kind of disappointing that. Drew Brees' kind of like his swan song game was like throwing three inter- interceptions. I know it's like um, it would have been nicer for him to kind of like finish off his career with like a really good game, kind of have like multiple touchdowns, like four or five touchdowns and have like a really high scoring game. That probably would have been the best send off for him, but it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, I think that even though it didn't look great on the stat sheet for Drew Brees, I think that he he did complete some very good passes. I know uh, everyone was really impressed with the way they used Jameis Winston in this game to throw that deep touchdown pass. Uh, that was pretty incredible. I think that if they, um, you know, uh, with the whole quarterback situation, if they take a look at Jameis Winston for next year, I think he's definitely someone that they can work with. Um yeah, uh, that's uh, the end of our recap. We actually uh, want to take a look again at the four teams that were eliminated and just um, just see a player from their offense that they might be parting ways with this coming off season. We'll go in order of the, the games this weekend. Um, we'll start with the LA Rams. And he, I have here Jared Goff. And the reason I have Jared Goff here is because uh, Jared Goff is a very um, pocket a standing uh, passer so he he sort of sits there in the pocket and he just throws the ball and an offensive mind did coach like Sean McVay really likes to have a, a mobile quarterback in his system I know um, definitely when John uh, Wolford started that game that Goff was out um, McVay really used him to run around and create different uh, sequences on the offense he really enjoyed uh, having that so I think if um uh, uh, the Rams definitely want to upgrade their offense. I think that Jared Goff would be the person that they'd be moving away from. I think that they have a solid running back in Cam Akers, um, solid receivers in both Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And we also saw the emergence of Van Jefferson in this game. Um, both their tight ends, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett, have been fantastic for them. So I think in terms of their offense, the the person that they could move away from would be Jared Goff. I just want to get your thoughts on that. 
I I agree with um I guess moving on from Jared Goff is not that he's like bad per se. It's just that basically but from like the way the team works. Like I tried to uh look at the roster and I just couldn't like think of anybody else to trade that would like kind of complement Goff's game and like raise the team. So I think that like it's kind of Jared Goff that's like holding the team back and I guess they need to find a quarterback that's like a better fit with the rest of the team than Goff. Yeah, I think that Goff is around uh, one of the more average quarterbacks in the league. I wouldn't call him elite per se. I know he has taken the team to a Super Bowl, but I I definitely would put that more on the defense and on Todd Gurley having a an MVP level season that year. So I think that if they did move away from Jared Goff, I think that their offense could still be efficient in McVay's system. And if they had a quarterback that was maybe more mobile, like maybe someone on the market, uh, whether it's Cam Newton, whether it's, uh, I know they don't have the cap space, but maybe like a Deshaun Watson or, um, you know, there, there's just a, some other mobile quarterbacks. Uh, maybe they could trade up and draft a guy. I don't know if they'd get Justin Fields. They might get a guy like Trey Lance or uh, someone else coming up in the draft. It might be a little bit more mobile. Uh, than Jared Goff um, as he's one of the least mobile quarterbacks in the league. So yeah, maybe that might be uh, a little bit better for their offense. What do you think about getting Matthew Stafford on the Rams? Actually, Matthew Stafford wouldn't be a bad pickup for them. Uh, Stafford, uh, he's decently mobile and he has a rocket of an arm. So I think in McVay's system, he could definitely uh, tighten up a lot of the the, the bad throws that uh, Stafford makes. Uh, Stafford's very talented. He just needs the right coaching. And I definitely think he could succeed in that Ram system. Um, yeah, let's move on to the next game. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, it was unfortunate that Lamar Jackson went down with an injury in this game. Uh, Lamar Jackson is the clear number one quarterback for this team. And even if they did have a guy like uh, RG3 or Trace McSorley back there, I still don't think they would have won this game. Um, just looking at their depth chart, I think uh, uh, actually th- before uh, we heard about the news, uh, I was just thinking, I think Mark Ingram needs to be the guy they part ways with. And actually this week they did part ways with running back Mark Ingram. Uh, they saw what they had in J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Uh, Dobbins being one of the best young running backs in the game. And Gus Edwards having an amazing uh, yards per carry stat. Um, he's just a very efficient runner. Um, just looking at the other positions, uh, Mark Andrews is a solid tight end. And Hollywood Brown is definitely one of the uh, better deep threat wide receivers in the league, for sure. Um, they, they might need another uh, wide receiver to add to that. I know they have a guy like Willie Sneed and they have some others. But just looking at the, the depth chart, I really saw Mark Ingram as that guy that was going to uh, – get um, cut this year uh, from the team or traded and and it happened. So what are your thoughts on Ingram getting released from the team? I was wondering if they would um, kind of drop Mark Ingram as well. Cause like, as you said, there's just way too many um, weapons on the Ravens, especially at the running game. Like Lamar can run himself, uh, JK Dobbins, Gus Edwards. Like you already have like three uh, really good runners and you have, rg3 off the bench he could like he's not in his prime anymore but he can still kind of run the ball like you have like four good runners like why do you really need a fifth runner not not yeah i even saw justice hill coming in on third downs this weekend so they have guys so they don't they don't need six running backs (laughs) yeah so 
Um, yeah, I, I think that it was just about time. Mark Ingram's still a very good back, in my opinion. I just think that the Ravens kind of have their scheme and the way they want to do things, and they definitely want to go younger. And Ingram's not exactly one of the youngest running backs in the league. Um, I'm hoping that he gets a chance to go back to the Saints. Him and Kamara had a very good friendship there. So I know the Saints are struggling with their cap, but if it's possible, they could bring him back. Maybe if they don't, if they let go of Latavius Murray or someone, but even again, uh, Murray was a good running back for them this year. Um, it is unfortunate that Ingram was let go. Uh, he had a very good connection, both with the other running backs on the team, as well as a guy like Lamar Jackson. So um, yeah, it, it was unfortunate to see him released this week. Um, and then I'll definitely go to you about this, looking at the Cleveland Browns. I have here Odell Beckham Jr. And the reason I have his name here is because uh, when Odell was in the lineup, it seemed like Baker Mayfield was just consistently trying to get him the ball, even in like double, triple coverage. And it was really ruining the scheme of the offense that Stefanski had set up, where it was run heavy and then play action off the run and then sort of find the open receiver. Instead, he was just dropping back and trying to feed Odell Beckham, sometimes in, in deep coverage, and it just wasn't working. And then when Odell went down with the injury, we saw how efficient this Browns offense was without him. Uh, you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the ground. You have Austin Hooper at tight end. And you have both Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins, as well as uh, Peoples-Jones there uh, at wide receiver as sort of the third guy factoring in. And I just want to get your thoughts on um, both Odell Beckham Jr., then possibly parting ways with him, and just the Cleveland offense in general. Uh, I kind of agree with you. Um, Odell, like he's... I still think he's one of the best wide receivers in the league, but sometimes when you have a wide receiver that good as a quarterback, you feel like, Oh, I kind of need to get this guy some touches. So it's like, it's like a cushion almost. Yeah. It's like that. And it's like, you feel you, it's like kind of like it's, it seems like too good of an option. You feel kind of dumb for not throwing to him. Feel and like if, he, if you don't throw it, yeah. Yeah, it's like if you don't, people are going to be like, is Baker stupid or something? Why is he not passing to Odell? But the thing mm -hmm. is, like, just because he's the best option doesn't mean he's the best option every play. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, like, um, though there, there's already, like, a good amount of depth on the offense, and the Browns need to upgrade their defense a bit because they've had um, problems with fourth down conversions they've had problems with trying to stop stop the past we saw that with um, Kansas City we saw that with uh, the Steelers like we we did win against the Steelers but it was like way too close it should have been a blow been through for 500 yards that rarely happens in an NFL game so yeah that's uh that's like one of the th I think that's the most important thing that the Browns need to upgrade so what they could possibly do is kind of they could trade Odell for either for defenders straight up or they could trade for picks and try to draft some good defenders. I was thinking try to get some uh, more cornerbacks, get some more linebackers, something like that. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely agree with that. I didn't even mention David and Joku that they use him in two tight end sets. He had a really good playoff game this past week. Um, yeah, he, he just looked really solid for them. So if he's not on the trade block as rumored, uh, he'd definitely be someone that the Browns should move forward with as he's a young tight end that can definitely benefit uh, playing alongside a guy like Austin Hooper, who had a great year in his first year with Cleveland this year. Yeah, I agree with that.
And then moving on to our last eliminated team from this week, uh, we get to the New Orleans Saints. And I think this is a pretty obvious one. Drew Brees announced his retirement, so they'll be parting ways with him this offseason. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on maybe how the offense will change under a guy maybe like Taysom Hill and possibly a guy like Jameis Winston uh, in the place of Drew Brees. I think that um, as unfortunate uh, as, as it is that Brees is leaving, I know many Saints fans will miss Drew Brees because he was like a really consistent, always in the running for MVP level quarterback. I believe that Brees is like one of the best quarterbacks of our generation easily, mm-hmm. but it's not like we they have nobody. I know like Jameis Winston, he's not, he hasn't been like the best quarterback, but he's still pretty good as we saw with the, the deep touchdown. And there's Inspector Gadget, Taysom Hill. <laughs> and they're going to, I think they'll be able to run some interesting sets with having both of them on the field because of how versatile Taysom Hill is. Yeah. And um, I was actually thinking for um, drops, I was wondering what you thought about uh, um them dropping Ty Montgomery because they already have it's like kind of similar to the Ravens they have um pretty good depth at the running position for example Kamara I know you said um they should maybe let go of Murray but there's they could either let go of Murray or um, Montgomery and they probably wouldn't be hurting too bad so I was wondering what you thought about that um yeah just looking at that uh i think ty montgomery also is listed at a wide receiver so i think that if they don't need him in the running game they can always put him out wide um and then yeah if they are cutting ties with someone like latavius murray then like i said earlier they definitely could target someone like mark ingram to bring back as him and Kamara both played really well together they were both fantasy relevant running backs at the same time which is pretty rare like the only pair that you really see that's relevant like that would be like someone like Chubb and Hunt um, both being fantasy relevant at the same time on one team and yeah uh, what Ingram and Kamara had that year that they were together was just phenomenal so um, yeah there there definitely will probably be some change up there in that running back room we just don't know which running back it's going to be all that we know is Alvin Kamara is definitely the safe one in the group for sure um, and then, yeah, just looking at the rest of their offense um, at tight end, having Jared Cook, um, it's it's likely they'll keep him around for another year. If not, they'll probably target someone in free agency. Other uh, wide receivers, Michael Thomas, I know he had that bad game this week, but he's still their number one receiver, and he's definitely going to be relied on next year. Hopefully, he's healthy and ready to go, as well as uh, Traquan Smith. He had a big game this week, and uh, he had a pretty decent season when he was on the field. I like what he brought to the team. And then Emmanuel Sanders, we'll see what they do with him moving forward. But yeah, that's that's what their room is looking like. And if they do go with Taysom Hill again at quarterback, I think you'll definitely see Jameis Winston factoring in, similar to what he did this week while Taysom Hill was out. We have an opportunity to see two quarterbacks on the field at the same time with the Saints. Yeah, I mean, we did see that a few times. I think even Breeze lined out wide one time with Taysom Hill under center. So that was pretty interesting. Like, and then they went back and forth. I know uh, Breeze uh, fed Taysom some of the running back reps and so on. Like, it, it was pretty cool what they had. I think they can run something similar if they decide to keep both Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston next year. It looks like 
I think the Saints might have one of the most interesting offenses in the league next year. Yeah, I don't know whether they have the finances to pursue another quarterback off the free agent market. So they might have to roll with the two quarterbacks that they have and then just kind of, you know, see what they can do from there. But I think the Saints, especially with their defense and the rest of their offense, they can definitely be one of the top teams, even without Drew Brees next year. I'd still put them as contenders, honestly. Yeah, we just have to see how uh, the quarterbacks do on a week-to-week basis. But other than that, yeah, I could see them being contenders. Um, now we're going to move on to our uh, a preview for the AFC and NFC championships this coming weekend. So uh, let's get to those previews. All right, welcome to the preview uh, for the NFL this weekend. Uh, we'll be previewing both the NFC and the AFC championship games. I'm joined again by Nate. Hey, what's up, man? So, uh, yeah, let's just jump right into the preview. Um, the first game for this week, uh, it's going to be the Sunday afternoon game. Uh, it's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Green Bay Packers. Um these two teams both had big wins last week and they'll be looking to um, just continue uh, what they did last week heading into this week. Um, Aaron Rodgers just looking like an MVP candidate this year. Most likely he's going to win the MVP at the end of the season. Tom Brady playing in his infamous playoff form. Um, and yeah, just both defenses look really looking really solid. As of last week, uh, could I get your thoughts on this game and just uh, maybe who you think is going to win this game? I think it's going to be a high-scoring game for sure. Um, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Uh, It's going to be a close game. I think it might actually be a high-scoring game. I know um, the Buccaneers have a top, I think it was top 10 defense, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers showed against the Rams that he could, he can uh, cut up any offense that he wants, and uh, the Bucks have are actually the weakest at the pass, and that's kind of a bad weakness to have against Aaron Rodgers of all people. So I think that even though it could be close because of being a high-scoring game, I think that the Packers do have an advantage. So you'd say that you'd lean with the Green Bay Packers this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, going back to last week's predictions, actually, you were perfect. Uh, you picked Green Bay, you picked Tampa Bay, you picked Buffalo, and you picked Kansas City. So, um, assuming that you're going to be correct this week, uh, look <laughs> for Green Bay to win, guys. <laughs> um, I went three and one, as I did predict uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to beat Buffalo. Lamar Jackson, of course, went out with that injury and he didn't return so that was unfortunate so um yeah just um looking at this game um i actually think tampa bay is going to win this game uh, the reason that i say that is um heading back to i believe it was week six i think that's when the game was between these two teams i know it was in tampa bay but uh tampa bay beat them 38 to 10 and aaron Rodgers didn't throw any touchdown passes against this team He threw two interceptions, which was the most he threw against any team this whole season. He just didn't look like himself. So I think if Tampa Bay can sort of relive that game with what happened and all of the weapons on this Tampa Bay offense, guys like Evans, who only had one catch this week, Antonio Brown only had one catch this week. They have Chris Godwin. You have Rob Gronkowski, 
Cameron Brait, and then on the ground, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. Like this team is just stacked throughout their lineup. I know Green Bay has guys that can ball, but they don't have this many guys. And when Tom Brady has a bag full of weapons like he does, man, he's just going to utilize all of them. And I don't know how Green Bay is going to stop the run. Uh, this week, the Saints couldn't even stop the run game from the Bucs. Uh, their running backs look fantastic. Green Bay, their defensive weakness is with the run. Um, so I think that if Tampa just keeps the ball on the ground, they actually have a really good chance. And I see them actually taking this game. I know I do have them in my prediction going to the Super Bowl. You have Green Bay going to the Super Bowl. So we're still good on the AFC or sorry, on the NFC side, as well as the AFC side, because both of us have Kansas City going to the Super Bowl. Let's take a look at this game. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are at the Kansas City Chiefs. And um, with this Patrick Mahomes injury, um, let's just assume he plays because all signs are pointing to him playing this week. Uh, what do you see happening in this game? I think it's going to depend on um, what kind of Patrick Mahomes are we we're going to see. I think that's one of the factors because he did have that um, bad injury. It looks like it looks like he was like knocked out basically, and a head injury like that you can't just like shake off. He's gonna try to hide it and look like try to like look like he's still the same Patrick Mahomes, but I feel like he's gonna be a little bit more more vulnerable, so he's gonna have to pick his spots a little bit more. But I think that another factor for Kansas City is gonna be Tyreek Hill, like. He honestly, he looks like he's unguardable. He can, he's obviously like, like the fastest player in the NFL right now. He can run routes. Like, there's it, I don't really see how you stop him one on one. Uh, but I think, uh, the Bills they have a good, um, pass, uh, they have a good passing game as well. So, could be close but i still think the chiefs they'll be able to find a way yeah um you mentioned tyree kill and i know the bills do have tredavious white i believe he's a top five corner in the league i don't know whether they'll use him to shadow tyree kill it's almost impossible to shadow a receiver like him i know guys like stefan gilmore marlon humphrey and even jalen ramsey have struggled with a guy like tyree kill those are some of the best corners in the league uh, so I don't know how um, Trey White is going to do against Hill. Then you don't got to just worry about Hill. You got Travis Kelsey there. Kelsey had a phenomenal game this week. He he would really make some big catches for them even late there in the game to seal it. And uh, Kelsey is the best receiving tight end in the league. Like I can just say that. Um, I know people have argued George Kittle might be the better all, like all around tight end, but in terms of receiving, there's no one better than Travis Kelsey in the league he's just going to put up insane receiving numbers to every game and he's just that that safety blanket for Patrick Mahomes so if we don't see a 100% Patrick Mahomes just pre be prepared to see a lot of Travis Kelsey there up the middle um and he might even run some slant routes you know he might run up the sideline uh, Mahomes uses him all over the field um Kelsey is one of those guys and it, and if they do get Clyde Edwards-Alaire back they'll definitely look to lean into him as the Bills defensive weakness is with the run so having a guy like Clyde Edwards Hilaire back would be huge for this Kansas City team. So uh, we will have to definitely take a look at the injury report this week. But assuming uh, Patrick Mahomes pl Patrick Mahomes plays, uh, I just still see Kansas City moving through. And um, 
if Mahomes doesn't play, though, I actually could see Buffalo getting through. I don't know. What do you think about that? Let's just say Mahomes gets ruled out. What do you see here? If Mahomes gets ruled out, it's going to be really, really close. And I think they'd be 50-50, mainly because of how um, I saw Penny play. He's um, really clutch as a quarterback. And as a quarterback that's like coming coming off the bench, that's like a really important uh, thing to have. Um, he looks like he could be a starter on some teams, honestly, for that game. Like, he's he's not bad at all. Yeah, so what are your thoughts? Like, would you still lean towards Kansas City or would you lean more Buffalo's way if Mahomes didn't play? I still want to say uh, Kansas, Kansas City, because mainly because, like, they, they're still Kelsey, they're still Tyreek Hill, and Henny's like good enough to um, to throw that. It's I don't think he's gonna like be throwing bad throws to them either. So I'd still take Kansas City. Yeah, all right. I'm gonna be a bit different than you. Um, if Mahomes doesn't play, I will lean with Buffalo in this game. The reason being, um, Josh Allen seems to be more of a proven passer than Henny is, and uh, Stefan Diggs, he's caught passes on every team. You can put anyone to guard him and he'll still catch passes on all those guys. Josh Allen's been finding a way to put passes through to him. Um, I know that there's been complaints about him not spreading the ball enough. We saw that last week, uh, him not spreading the ball as well, and they didn't get as many points. Um, but yeah, if, if Patrick Mahomes is out, it definitely lowers the, the confidence for Kansas City, I feel like. Um, although the defense might step up, I'm just really concerned about the offense. Uh, like, I mean, injuries add up if they don't have Clyde Edwards Hilaire also, like that's just injury after injury and it just starts to pile up. And then I could kind of see Buffalo going through, but, um, for these predictions, I am going to assume Patrick Mahomes is going to play. So that's why I picked Kansas city in this game. I think they're just a better team all, all over the field. That makes sense. Honestly, they're probably going to play Mahomes whether he's hurt or not yeah I, I see that as well I saw a lot of reports on that apparently he's also suffering a minor ankle injury so I think uh, Victoria will definitely get to his various injuries on the injury report but um, yeah um, I'm honestly hoping for Patrick Mahomes to play I want to see Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen sort of duke it out on a, on a big stage and uh, just two of the, the top teams in the AFC this year going at it it'll definitely be something to watch if if Mahomes does play. Yeah, I hope it's going to be like Bucks versus Packers for sure. Yeah, it's like the the head-to-head -head matchup for the two quarterbacks, and then you can kind of see them going back and forth. I think definitely for these two games, one of them is going to be back and forth, high scoring, and then one of them is going to be a lower-end defensive game. We just got to kind of see which one is which. Usually that's how it works out. Yeah. Yeah, so I definitely want to see how, how things shake out. And then... Um, both of our Super Bowl picks are still good since the, the beginning of the wildcard weekend. I know you went with the, the Packers and the Chiefs. I, I think Terry also went with both the Packers and the Chiefs as well. And um, I took the Bucks and the Chiefs. And um, both of those matchups are looking really good this week. Um, I know both of them will get messed up if Patrick Mahomes doesn't play and the Chiefs do lose to the Buffalo Bills. And then definitely uh, one of ours is going to get messed up uh, with whoever wins that Tampa Bay Green Bay matchup. I just, 
I think that both games are going to be great this weekend. I think we'll get some excellent football. I'm just really hoping for Patrick Mahomes to play just to add that extra spice to that game. Because that's the Sunday night game. That's going to definitely garner the the most viewership. So you definitely want that that high-end quarterback matchup. So um, I'm excited uh, for for this Sunday coming up. Um, Any last thoughts on either of the two games or, you know, maybe on the Super Bowl or any other thoughts about things ahead? Yeah, I think that for the Chiefs game, I'm hoping that um, Patrick Mahomes doesn't try to push himself too much, just try to play smart football. Like he knows how to how to play smart football, but he's been like he's been like so so athletic for so long. It's like kind of hard to to go, okay, I need to stay in the pocket. I need to just play fundamental. It's kind of hard to to go from I'm Superman to that. So I think we'll see, but hopefully he tries to pick his spots a little bit more. Yeah, he's been pushing his body's limits a little bit too much. Uh, he definitely can't be taking hits. I know sometimes he'll get out of bounds at the last second and he'll take a late hit. And then, you know, his team might get 15 yards, but your quarterback still took a shot. So, yeah. you know, like, is it worth it? I don't think it's worth it. Like, so what if you don't get 15 yards? Mahomes can throw for more than 15 yards. You know, like what's worth, yeah. what's it worth? The, the other team's going to hit you. Regardless. I know Buffalo is a hard hitting team. They they might not have a good run defense, but if you try and run on them, they'll still hit you hard. So I, I'm not, uh, as a, as a guy that likes watching uh, stuff that Patrick Mahomes does, I just don't think it's a, it's something he should be doing, you know, just waiting till the last second to go out of bounds or, you know, running without taking a slide early enough. Um, yeah, you know, sacrificing your body over these late hits, especially as a quarterback, is not worth it. Um, Mahomes, your team needs you on the field, man. Like, you can't be doing that. There's honestly no point, like, not just now, but in the long term. If you want to have a long and successful career as a quarterback, you're going to have to know how to how to play smart and, like, sit in the pocket when you need to. And just, like, he he knows he knows what to do. It's just that, He's used. He's used to being able to do anything, and right now he needs to to play like he can't do an, anything right now. Yeah, and uh, I've always said the same thing about Josh Allen too. Sometimes Allen will just d- dive instead of taking a slide, and he'll just take a hit. And I'm like, uh, Allen, you've been healthy this whole year. You don't want to take a hit and then you leave the game, and then they throw Barkley in, and then they can't win the game. Uh, you know, both Mahomes and Allen could take a lesson from some someone like Aaron Rodgers. Um, Aaron Rodgers, uh, he's always been considered a mobile quarterback, but he uses his mobility at the right time. And I, I even heard an interview uh, from Aaron Rodgers saying he's taken the least amount of hits this year than he's taken over his whole career. Uh, that factors in both the offensive line and just his ability to just run out of bounds at the right time, taking the slide at the right time, uh, not trying to, you know, dive in to get that extra yard when you might risk taking a shot uh, from one of the defenders. You know, it's just those those little things that have helped Aaron Rodgers have a really good season this year that I think both uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen can learn from. Uh, hopefully we'll see a good clean game, both games. They'll, they'll be clean. There won't be any rough injuries. Um, like quarterbacks will just play smart. Uh, there won't be head hits, all those kind of things. I'm just hoping for two really good games this weekend. I'm actually excited. Me too. Honestly, after seeing the helmet to helmet um, hit this past game uh, with the Browns, 
and I ended up making making me look at a bunch of football helmet designs. I don't want to have to go through that again and see people get injured and have to <laughs> end up watching a bunch of football helmet designs. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, yeah, those cheap shots shouldn't be happening. Um, players need to know that they need to lean in with their shoulder and and make hits. Like hitting with your helmet is just so dangerous. Uh, we saw uh, that injury that happened to that Pittsburgh uh, defender. Uh, his, his name, uh, is, it's not coming to me, but uh, yeah, it ended his career. Uh, it was Shazier, uh, Ryan Shazier. Yeah, um, it ended his career. He was actually the defender making the hit. And it, uh, when he got hit, it just, the, the pain went all the way down his spine and he couldn't feel the top half of his body. And he had to carry it off the field. It was a scary injury. Um, he's recovered from it, but I know he definitely can't play football again. And yeah, we, we definitely don't want to see that happen to anybody. So yeah, we're hoping for some good, clean football this weekend. Yeah, don't use your head. I mean, use your head, but not not like that way. Use your brain, but don't use your head. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's the end of our uh, NFL preview for this weekend. Um, we'll uh, now hop into the uh, NBA portion of the podcast where we'll take a look at some pickups and the slate for the week. All right. Welcome to the basketball portion of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'm joined once again by Nate. What's up, man? So. Uh, we're going to be talking about some NBA pickups today for fantasy. Um, some might be shallower, some might be a little more of deep pickups, but um, I'll just hop right into it. My first pickup for the week is uh, Jakob Pertl, the San Antonio Spurs. Um, he, he's played really well as of late, um, logging uh, around 25 minutes in, in his last couple games. Uh, he's been putting up great stat lines, uh, almost a double-double every game. Uh, he's been adding a few assists here and there, and he's averaged about three blocks per game, which is very good for fantasy. So he's definitely someone that needs to be picked up, um, even in sh the shallower of leagues. Uh, my next pickup would be Jeff Green of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, with the whole trade that went down, the four-team trade, Jeff Green's actually had a more prominent role with the team. Um, he's definitely been playing uh, over 30 minutes in his last three games. And he's been putting up uh, around um, 11 points per game, adding about uh, five or six rebounds per game, adding some assists and not committing too many turnovers, which is really good for fantasy. Um, his percentages are also pretty good. Uh, he's been shooting um, over uh, 0.6 per game, which is really good. And um, he's not hurting you in the free throw category. So he's definitely someone that you should be looking at to pick up. Um, my, my third pickup is going to be Rodney Hood. Uh, we all heard about the CJ McCollum injury and Rodney Hood has been filling in for him. He's been added 13% in the last couple of days. So he's really someone that needs to be added. In his first game without McCollum, he dropped 21 points, two rebounds, two assists, one steal. And his, per, his uh, free throw has been perfect and his field goal is over 0.6. So he's definitely hitting on all cylinders. So Rodney Hood is definitely someone that needs to be added into starting lineups as soon as possible. And that 15% uh, ownage that he has right now is just going to continue to skyrocket within the next couple of days. So he's definitely someone that should be picked up. Um, Nate, let me go to you. You have a few pickups as well. Let me hear who you have. Sure. Um, I'll talk about my uh, Lakers pickup first. Um, I got Alex Caruso. I think he's a good deep 
a deep pick if you're in need of a point guard or a shooting guard. He can fit into both. Uh, so far, his stat line is 5.8 points a game, 2.5 rebounds, and 2.4 assists. So far, he's been getting about one to three steals every game, and he gets like one to three threes every game. Scoring is like not really his strong point because like there's so many uh, good scorers on the Lakers. He's yeah. not going to get as many touches, but he does um, fill out the other categories. So if you need some somebody to like fill out the other ones, you already got enough scorers, then you can pick him up. And for my next pickup, I got uh, Doug McDermott. He is only 12% rostered still, and uh, he's getting 12.6 points, 3.4 rebounds, and 1.2 assists. Most of his value comes from scoring, and he's been scoring pretty well for the past week. Uh, he can shoot threes, about three threes a game most of the time. Uh, he gets over 20 minutes, and... His uh, field goal percent is pretty decent, and his free throw percent is pretty decent, but he doesn't get to the line very often. And uh, for bigs, I have Dwight Howard. He's 23% rostered. Uh, he averages 6.9 points, 7.8 rebounds, 0.9 assists. Most of his value is uh, for rebounds if you need them, but he gets a lot, so... Um, especially if you're in need of a lot of rebounds, I'd recommend him. His field goal is pretty decent, 64%. He is a center, so that's to be expected, but it's always welcome to have a high field goal percent. Uh, the only thing is um, the schedule is going to be a little bit tough this week and uh, depends if Embiid is coming back. His minutes might get cut a little bit, but I think that he can still provide some value if you're in need of a center off the bench. And for my last pick, I got Xavier Tillman. He's 15% rostered and he's getting 8.6 points, 3.9 rebounds and 1.6 assists. Um, he's getting more minutes this week because uh, JV was out. Uh, he's mainly a scorer, but he can fill out the other categories as well. And uh, similarly with him, um, he has a tough schedule this week, so that may affect stats. So, yeah, those are my pickups. All right, that sounds good. It looks like you hit all the different positions there. And uh, people can definitely have some pickups to look at uh, from different teams. Um, just uh, going over the slate uh, for the NBA this week, uh, just maybe a game that you're looking forward to. Uh, just give us the day of the game and – uh, just what you're looking forward to in that game. I'm looking forward to Friday's game, um, Raptors versus Miami. That's going to be the tail end of a back-to-back. -back. Um, the Raptors are coming off a big win against Dallas. Um, they held uh, Luka to only 15 points. He was close to getting a double-double, but he didn't quite reach it. And all the players were looking good. Um, Pascal, he had a slow start, but he was able to kind of warm up and get points. Uh, Norman Powell, he was looking pretty good. 17 points, two rebounds, two assists, and one steal. And uh, it looks like the team is starting to kind of find their momentum. So 
it's going to be interesting to see how they do against uh, Miami. Um, yeah, I'll talk about a game as well. Um, further down in the week, uh, the Lakers and the 76ers are going to battle it out on Wednesday. Um, I just like this game for the fact that uh, Embiid, like you said, should be back by then. Um, the Lakers have been playing pretty well as of late. I know that Golden State loss was pretty tough, but other than that, the Lakers have played well. I believe they're still first in the West. And um, a game against Philly, who's one of the better teams in the East, will be very interesting to watch. So definitely a lot of scoring uh, both ways. And I think that definitely the top players on those two teams will get their opportunities to shine in this game. Um, aside from that, uh, any last thoughts regarding the NBA this week? Uh, I think that's uh, about it for me. Yeah, I think that um, teams are just finding their groove now. You can kind of see where teams are at. I know COVID has hit a few teams. I know Boston struggled a little bit with COVID-19, having to isolate some players. A few other teams have had to deal with it. I know teams like Miami have gotten a lot of their players back and so on. So we'll see what happens this coming week. Thanks, Thanks again, Nate, for your time. Yeah, no problem. And right now we'll move into the hockey portion of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the hockey segment of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'm your host, Nathan, and we're here with our hockey expert, James Kumar, and our injury analyst, Victoria. Hey, what's up? Hey. All right. So today we're going to be talking about some hockey pickups and some upcoming games, but we'll start with the pickups first. And uh, I'll talk about some pickups from Arizona. Uh, First, we have Phil Kessel. Uh, He's pretty underrated. He's ranked 61 on Yahoo, 46% rostered, uh, three goals, one plus minus, and five shots on goal. Uh, he's the number fifth uh, right winger on Yahoo right now. Gets about 15 to 17 minutes a game. So he's a pretty decent pickup. If you need another right winger, I would suggest going for Kessel. And next we have uh, Connor Garland, who's only 25% rostered, and he's rank 27th on yahoo so that's really underrated yeah for sure he's the number two uh right winger on yahoo he gets about 15 to 21 minutes a game and his stat line is one goal two assists three plus minus and nine shots on goal so uh if you have a chance i would suggest you picking him up as well and next we have clayton keller he's Rank 56 on Yahoo. Uh, he's pretty versatile. He can play uh, left ringer, winger, right winger. Some leagues he can play center. He's listed as center in some leagues, but not in Yahoo at the moment. Oh, that's good. Um, his stat line is two goals, one assist, three plus minus, and seven shots on goal. And he gets about 17 to 18 minutes a game. So... Uh, he's only 36% rostered as well. So if you don't have a very deep league, you probably have a good chance of picking him up. And for the defenseman, we have uh, Chikrin. 
he's ranked 39 on Yahoo, and he's the number five defenseman in the league at the moment. Gets about 20 to 24 minutes a game, and his stat line is one goal, two assists, one plus minus, and eight shots on goal. So uh, if you don't have them and you need a defenseman, uh, he should do pretty well for you. And for my goalie, I have uh, Georgiev. He's rank five, I think, for goalies or something like that. The I rankings think five were kind might of even be in the whole league because I think he got a shutout in his first start. True, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think you're right. He actually might be fifth in the whole league. Yeah. And the thing is, his um, rankings are a little inconsistent right now. Some people rank him as ninth in the East. Some people rank him as fifth in the whole league. I think it's because of the the shutout. People aren't like exactly too sure where to put him yet. But yeah. um, he got since he's only I think had one game so far. So he had one win, one hundred percent safe save rate, and one shutout. So if he gets another uh, game like that, I think he's gonna probably get more starts. And that'd be really good, if, especially if you need another goalie. And he's starting actually, against New um, Jersey as well. Sorry to interrupt, but there's actually the results coming in uh, we're, as we're recording this, actually. Um, he did uh, play a game against New Jersey, and he did lose. I believe it was in overtime. Oh, that's kind But of yeah, I know he still, he still put up good stats even in the loss. So yeah. Yeah. So if you need a fourth goalie, then you should probably pick him up. And uh, next, we will go to James for his pickups. Uh, yeah, um, I just wanted to follow back on some of the stuff you said. Uh, Arizona seems to be pretty underrated. Uh, how you, you had about four pickups from their team. I think a lot of people underrated Arizona coming into the season, including myself, but they seem to have a lot of valuable players to pick up for fantasy. Um, yeah, let me just jump right into my pickups. I'll start with... Uh, uh, Bobby Ryan. Um, Bobby Ryan has just been on a tear since he signed in Detroit. Um, he's only played three games so so far. He scored in every single game. He has four goals in total. Um, he's averaging around three shots per game, and he's chipping in about one hit per game. Um, and he he's a currently a plus two right now. So he's just on fire, and he's only rostered in twelve percent of leagues in Yahoo. So he really needs to be jumped on. He can, he can play both wing spots and a lot of people are sleeping on Detroit as well. Um, I'll get back to Detroit with another one of my pickups on defense, but um, going to um, the Pittsburgh Penguins is Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, he just played his first game Tuesday night. He finished with an assist, two shots and a hit. Uh, he's getting top six minutes. He should be either on the top power play or the second power play playing with guys like Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin and so on. So he'll definitely be getting, top end exposure. So he's definitely someone that can be added. He's only rostered in around of 30 to 35% of leagues in Yahoo. So Kaepernick's definitely someone to pick up. Um, one more forward I'll add is Carter Verhage. He was actually placed on the top line in Florida uh, to play with uh, Anthony Duclair and Alexander Barkov. As we know, Barkov's an elite center in the league. And uh, Verhage started off well, three points in two games. Uh, a plus three, four shots. So he seems to be fitting in that wing role on the top line really well. So he's definitely definitely someone you can look at. He's, he's a deep league pickup too, as he's only owned in 2% of leagues. 
So if you want to be ahead of the curve, you want to jump on someone like Verhage, if he stays on that top line, he can definitely pay dividends for you. Um, moving to defense, I was talking about Detroit being very underrated this year. Um, defenseman Philip Hronik is only owned in about 25% of leagues. Uh, he's the number one defenseman for Detroit. He's playing around 25 minutes a game. Um, he'll, he's on the top power play. Um, he's gotten a couple of assists in his first few games, got at least, uh, averaging, I believe two shots per game and definitely getting, uh, at least a hit per game. So he's definitely a good category coverage defenseman. And I know some leagues are very um, thin when it comes to defense. So if he's there on your waiver wire, he's definitely someone that you can look at. Um, one more defender is uh, Devon Taves uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. As we know, he came in a trade uh, this summer from the New York Islanders. Very underrated young defenseman. Uh, he has three points in his first three games as a defenseman, logging about 21 minutes or so per game. Um, he's also chipping in on the power play. He's got a couple power play points so far this year. He's getting some shots on goal. So he seems to be pretty good at hitting all the categories for you. And it's only roster in 30% of leagues. So hop on Devon Taves because he could really explode in his scoring because he plays for a team like the avalanche and, um, adding one goalie is, uh, Matt Murray. He's, um, available in about 50% of leagues, uh, as we're recording this. Um, he's just, uh, I know he, he plays for a bad team in Ottawa, but he's a starting goalie and he's put up very good stats. Um, his safe percentages are, are pretty close to 900. So, uh, that might hurt you. Um, but I, I know that he's definitely someone that if you need a goalie, that's going to start and that's going to play well uh, on any given night, you can definitely roll with someone like Matt Murray. So uh, those are a few guys that I have that you can pick up this week. Well, it sounds like uh, you're you're going full prediction mode. It looks like those guys, um, those are guys that are kind of like really slept on the guys that you have. Yeah, I think teams like Detroit and Arizona get slept on too much because of their previous year's uh, deficiencies. I know with Detroit, uh, they were very bad defensively and Arizona had trouble scoring goals, but I think those two teams have different identities this year. So I think we can trust some of their players for fantasy. Yeah, they definitely look like they've uh, they've kind of like changed who they are. They're not the the guys who just lose all the time now. Yeah, Detroit's actually done pretty well. I believe they've won two out of their first four games. So uh, things have been going well for them. Sounds good. And now we will go to Victoria for her pickups. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to start out with Kevin Hayes. Um, just kind of the reason why I bring him in the picture is uh, has to do with Sean Couturier. He has a costochondral separation injury that I will talk about later in my injury report. Uh, but moving on, he's just someone to note for now. Um Kevin Hayes is only 35% owned and because of Sean Couturier's injury, he's going to be out for like a couple weeks. So Kevin Hayes will kind of be taking his place on that top center for Philly. Um, and also he gets good category coverage. He gets stats pretty much in all of the categories. Uh, Dylan Strom from Chicago. Uh, he's only 45% owned. Uh, he's a really good pickup for you uh as a center because chicago has quite a few players out this year and a couple centers so jonathan taves who i mentioned is out with an undisclosed long-term injury and kirby dosh who's also out with a long-term uh, wrist injury that he got surgery for um so because of this he's going to be first line center for chicago which kind of guarantees him very uh, like a lot of points 
Um, and then P.K. Subban, um, so he's a D that not a lot of people have picked up. He's only 35% owned. He didn't really have a good fantasy year last year. That's probably why not a lot of people saw him on the draft list uh, very high up. He is still playing um, the most minutes as a D on his team. He's averaging close to 30 minutes per game, and it's also in the top power play. So uh, he has a, pa- a big path to get you a lot of fantasy points. So if he has a better year this year, uh, he's a surefire uh, person. Um, and then another defense would be Alex Romanov from the Habs. Um, he's only about 35% owned. And this actually went up since Monday night before he was way less. Um, and that's when he got his first NHL goal and got quite a few points there. Um, he's getting a lot of shots and hits. Um, and he'll also chip in in the goals and assists categories as well. Um, and then last is goalie. Uh, I'm going to talk about Carter Hutton. He's only 10% owned uh, with the main goalie, uh, Linus Armark, being away from the team for personal reasons. We don't know how long this will be, but probably for the next week or so, this would be a goalie worth picking up because he's going to be getting all the starts um, in the next week and he'll get you some decent points in the goalie categories. So it sounds like for this week, you, you found a lot of picks that are like... Um... They're really good, I guess, like schedule picks. Yeah, so they're kind of picks that are just, you might hang on to them for a couple weeks. And then once the others come back and their points drop, you can just pick up somebody else and keep listening to our podcast for uh, other people that you can pick up in exchange for them. Sounds good. I definitely listen to this podcast. (laughs) Hopefully we all do. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so next we're going to look at the upcoming games for next week. We're going to start with Victoria. Um, Yeah, so just a couple games of interest for me would be the Dallas versus Nashville game. So as I talked about in my injury report, uh, Dallas had quite a few COVID cases. This was my last week report. Um, And so because of this, they had to postpone the first few games of the season. So this game this week, the Nashville versus Dallas game is actually Dallas's first game of the season. Um, and so it'll be obviously very interesting to watch this team that just came in, out of recovering from COVID, um, see how they, they do. So I'm interested in that. Um, I'm also interested in the v- Montreal versus Vancouver game because, you know, obviously the Canadian division being tight and then uh, me being from Canada, my favorite team is the Habs. So that game's going to be very interesting for me to watch and see if maybe we can slip past the Leafs in the standings. <laughs> we will, don't worry. <laughs> as you can tell they have a sibling rivalry and a team rivalry there you go <laughs> yep, go Leafs <sighs> okay well, whatever <laughs> alright so now we will go with James for his upcoming games uh, yeah just taking a look at the slate I also have another Saturday game um, it's a Philly against Boston that's definitely a game to look at it's uh, those two teams, they get very physical when they play. They play a similar style of game, and they're just uh, two uh, potential playoff teams this year from the um, East Division. So it's definitely a game that I'd be interested in in watching. And uh, also go to uh, the Tuesday night slate. I'll take a look at uh, Vegas against St. Louis. Those are two of the best teams in the West Division. I know St. Louis has had kind of a rough start. And uh, Vegas, uh, they've done very well so far. So... Uh, I think it's a good game to see just where those two teams are at, and it'll definitely be a hard-hitting affair between those two. Sounds good. 
And so we have got a lot of good games coming up for the NHL. So I think uh, this is probably going to be a good year for NHL fans, I think, even with the whole COVID situation. Yeah, I think that's definitely uh, something that that's kind of affected uh, the way the, the games are uh, this year. But uh, I'm just hoping that uh, we can get through the whole NHL season and then, you know, get to the playoffs and then uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, actually, uh, I want to provide an update on the, the hockey pool. So um, uh, let me find out uh, who the current uh, standing leader is right now in the pool. Uh, so as uh, we're recording this podcast, Sagan Sunday is in first place, and that's Victoria. So congrats. <laughs> you are currently in first place in the hockey pool. Um, I'm not far behind, and Nate is actually not far behind as well. So uh, we're all in the top five here. So that's pretty interesting. The three out of the top five uh, of your three out of the three of the analysts here are in your top five for this pool. So I think that um, it's definitely something that we should keep looking out for week by week to see where we are, but congrats Victoria so far on being ahead. Unfortunately, I'm a Sagan less Sunday because he's injured, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I'm coming for you guys. Uh, I should be in first place by the time we record this time next week. So we'll see what happens. Well, hopefully some of the people who signed up can catch up because it's going to be kind of the same if we end up interviewing ourselves. Well, I mean, I always have information to give you guys. So if you interview me again, you know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. So that's pretty much it for the hockey segment of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. All right, welcome to the Fantasy Fanatics Injury Report. I'm joined once again by Sheridan AT student, Victoria Kumar. Welcome. Hi. Uh, let's just jump into some injuries. Uh, the NFL Championship weekend is this weekend. The AFC and NFC Championship will be taking place. Uh, there's a number of injuries going on for the four remaining teams. Uh, we'll start with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, will we see him back this week? Yes, yeah, so Clyde Edwards-Hilaire didn't play last week due to both a hip and ankle injury. Good news for him is that he continues to practice um, because he practiced last week and still didn't play. And he's very he's very up in the air, obviously, because of this. Um, he's probably going to be a game time decision as Wednesday's practice today. Even though we practiced, it was very light and kind of considered more of a non-contact type of practice. But if he does practice on Thursday in full capacity, then we will most likely see him this weekend as he would have practiced in like a game-like situation. So it's all about watching him. Okay, what about Sammy Watkins? What's his status? Yeah, so he's currently still out with that calf injury. He didn't play last week. Uh, Not a lot to our surprise as he was not seen at all in the practices. Um, On Wednesday, Watkins did practice, which is a good sign that he may play this weekend. However, like I said with Edward Hilaire, Wednesday's practice was very light. Thursday will kind of give us a better idea of whether he's going to play this weekend or not. Um, And then the big injury that everyone's wondering about, uh, what about Patrick Mahomes? Will we see him on the field this week? Yeah, so obviously Patrick Mahomes is a huge uh, deal because if he doesn't play, may result in in a Bills win. Uh, But if he does, then we don't know who's going to win. So during this Sunday's game, Patrick Mahomes 
went down with what was deemed to be a concussion. Um, I got to watch the footage and definitely I do think he sustained some kind of concussion in that, um, but I don't think it's very severe. I think the concussion was less of a head injury um, as he was only hit the his head at the end of the tackle and it wasn't, the guy kind of brought him down and then he hit his head. Um, so it wasn't as severe as if he kind of just fell to the ground and smacked it. Um, and I think more of the injury is more of like a whiplash kind of neck injury as the guy had a lot of hold on his neck. Um, so he's probably experiencing a lot more neck pain than he is concussion symptoms. Um, and so he's been integrated in that concussion protocol, obviously, as it's needed. Um, but the only thing that might hold him back, I don't think the concussion itself will hold him back, but I think it's that concussion protocol he has to go through, which is a five-step program by the NFL where um, he has to go through in order to play. So the first step being he has to rest. And each of the stages, most likely, this is what most concussion protocols do, is you have to spend 24 hours without symptoms before you move on to the next stage. So stage one is rest. If he goes 24 hours without symptoms, he moves to the next stage, which is light exercise. Then after light exercise, no symptoms for 24 hours, moves to more heavier exercise, more like strength training, resistance training. Once he gets through that, practice. And then after that, a full contact practice. And then the docs can clear him after that. Um, he was seen on Wednesday though, at the practice, but like I said, with Hilaire and Watkins, it was a very light practice. So it was like that non-contact. He's probably in step three, step four of that concussion protocol, which is a very good sign. He was out on the field. He was doing some snaps, uh, which is obviously very good uh, for Kansas City fans. Um, so I'm thinking most likely seeing this, he will play um, as he's already in practice. Hopefully by tomorrow, he's had no symptoms today. Hopefully, um, sorry, no symptoms on Wednesday. So hopefully by Thursday, he will be back in full capacity. If not, he's still doing kind of a light practice. Maybe by Friday, the team will see him in full capacity. Um, so because of that, uh, that's a good sign. And he also currently has no symptoms of concussion since the day of. So each of the stages, he's just moved through, no symptoms, no symptoms, no symptoms. That's how we got through them very quickly, which is obviously a really good sign. Yeah, I heard an alleged report that he might not actually have a concussion, that he might actually have a nerve damage in his neck. I don't know if that could result in him feeling like woozy. He said he felt woozy, kind of. Well, I wouldn't say nerve damage. He might have uh, hit a nerve. So what sometimes happens is like, you know, for example, if you hit your funny, what they call your funny bone on your, uh, on mm -hmm. your elbow, that hits your ulnar nerve right there. And if you tick that, then your arm gets all fuzzy and funny, right? Something like that could have happened in his neck okay. where he kind of hit a nerve, got a little woozy for a second, and they just kept him out uh, for the rest of the game in case it was a concussion. So okay. it, it is true that could be a possibility. Mm. Um, obviously, we hope to see him on Sunday because it'll make a very interesting matchup of him versus um, Allen. Yeah. Um, what about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, they had a couple injuries. Uh, what about Ronald Jones? I know he did play this week, but what's his injury status? Yeah, so he has a quad injury. He played last week, like you said, and he was noticeably limping during that game. And however, he didn't get the most snaps during it. Um, in Wednesday's practice, he was present, but in a limited capacity. Um, because he played last week and he's present in practice, I say this is a good sign that they're going to play him as, again, this is a very vital game. Um, so they might play him in, again, a limited capacity this weekend, and they're going to see how he does. Um, and then a new injury to report, Antonio Brown. Uh, what happened with him? 
Yeah, so in Sunday's game, Antonio Brown suffered a knee injury that kept him out of the second half of the Saints game. Following this game, he underwent an MRI that showed no major damage. Um, he's considered kind of day-to-day, but he wasn't present for their Wednesday's practice. It was kind of more of a walkthrough type practice. So like Kansas City, very light, no contact practice, which is actually concerning that they had a light, no contact practice and he wasn't a part of it. Um, that means he's not ready for no contact. So we're just obviously gonna have to watch the next couple of days if he shows up, but seeing that kind of makes me um, doubtful that he will play. Yeah, he only caught one pass uh, on uh, uh, Sunday's game and mm-hmm. that was kind of concerning as yeah. Brady was relying on him a lot more in previous games. So I guess we'll just need to wait and see what happens. Yes, exactly. Uh, w- moving to the NBA, uh, let's start with Karis Levert. Um, Yeah, so Karis LeVert was traded last week from the Nets to the Pacers. After acquiring him, the Pacers did a health inspection, most likely to determine like possible illnesses, kind of allergies is a big thing. They like to know what this player is allergic to, so the doctors are aware. Um, And they kind of did a full assessment on him, and they found that in this examination that he had a mass on his left kidney. Now, if he hadn't been traded, he had no symptoms from this. So if he hadn't been traded, they may not have found this mass until he started experiencing any possible symptoms. So this is actually uh, not like a in-game situation type of injury. This is more of like an actual illness or um, what uh, it's possible that it's cancerous. So they're doing some tests this week to determine if it's malignant, which means it's cancerous or it's benign, which means it's non-cancerous. Um, so he's kind of out indefinitely because of this. Um, so I guess don't put him in your roster. We don't know what his timetable is going to look like. It's obviously going to depend on what this mass is. Um, yeah, that, that's very interesting how that happened with the whole trade thing. I know mm-hmm. a lot of times if they find an injury on a player, then the trade won't go through. I'm just surprised that the trade yeah. went through. Yeah. Um, and then moving to CJ McCollum, uh, what happened with his injury? Yeah, so he suffered a hairline left foot fracture of the lateral cuneiform bone. So the lateral cuneiform bone is one of the many foot bones that we've got. It's below the third uh, metatarsal. So if, for example, my hand was my foot, your metatarsals would be these bones right here. The cuneiform would be just below it, closer to your leg. It's a, it's what they call more proximal to your body. Um, originally, the team thought it was a sprain, but imaging showed that it was a hairline fracture. Um, he's now wearing a walking boot and he's going to be evaluated again in four weeks so for now he's not going to be in i'd put him on your ir um and yeah that's why we mentioned earlier in the podcast if you can get rodney hood into your lineup if you own karis lavert uh rodney hood is available in most leagues so if you need a replacement for mccollum hood is going to slide into the starting lineup for the trailblazer so he's definitely someone that you can look at uh what about an injury update on alec burks Yeah, so I mentioned him in late December, and he has not returned since I last mentioned him. He was kind of day-to-day then, and now he's missed a few weeks due to this ankle sprain. So probably what initially they thought was a first-degree ankle sprain has now progressed to they're seeing more swelling, they're seeing more pain, more weakness, and they're deeming it a second-degree ankle injury. Um, He's been practicing uh, since last week, so this is obviously a hopeful and good sign for your roster that he may return on, on Thursday. If not, he may re- may not return until next week's home game as they're on the road for the next few games. So just watch. If they deem him out for Thursday's game, he's probably not going to be back until next week once they finally return home. All right. Um, what about Yusef Nurkic? 
Yeah, so he had surgery on his right wrist due to a fracture he sustained last Thursday's game against the Pacers. Um, most likely this wrist fracture is a distal radius fracture. That's the most common wrist fracture that you'll see. Um, this radius bone is the larger of the two bones. So if you're looking at the hand, the radius bone would be on the side of the thumb and it's the bigger bone there. And what often happens is if you go down with an outstretched hand, it could even be from blocking a pass. So with him, in his case, he did block a pass. And then when he fell, he landed on that wrist. So most likely that occurred once he fell and then he most likely uh, broke his wrist. Um, so he's gonna need uh, he's gonna need surgery, which uh, he had, sorry, and he's gonna probably be out for the next six weeks minimum. So normally it's about eight weeks, but the team has announced six weeks. So I'd say six minimum, and so I'd put him on your IR for now. Yeah, it looks like Portland's taken a couple big hits there. Two guys from their starting lineout mm -hmm. uh, out for at least four weeks. So yeah. that's pretty tough. Uh, what about John Wall from Houston? Yeah, so John Wall has been out since last Thursday with knee soreness. He slated uh, uh, next week. I think this knee soreness may be patellar tendonitis. So he's slated to return next week, but it seems like it's something similar to what Lonzo Ball was uh, struggling with, where you can rehab it as you are playing. Um, so the symptoms sound similar to that. So like I mentioned with uh, Lonzo Ball, uh, you're eccentric strength is often what causes this patellar tendonitis, which is your deceleration strength kind of in short, obviously it's much more than that, but that's just a simple explanation. He's probably been rehabbing it all week and into next week, he will continue that. And like I mentioned with Lonzo, he's probably going to come back partway through his rehab and just continue it onward. Once that swelling and pain kind of goes down. All right. Um, what about uh, Miles Turner from the Pacers? So Miles Turner has an avulsion right-hand fracture, that won't require surgery. So that's obviously a good sign. Um, this occurred in last Thursday's game. The team hasn't let us know where this avulsion fracture occurred in the hand, but the two most common avulsion fractures in the hand are the Bennett fracture, which is basically a fracture on the uh, right, on the base of the first metatarsal, metacarpal. So it's more down here. Um, and then the, uh, it could also be a reverse Bennett, which is the same, but it's on your, uh, fifth finger and it's the same area that base of the uh, fifth metacarpal um, so because of this he's just gonna have to spend time rehabbing it probably the next three weeks or so I'd put him on your IR for now if that's what he's labeled if he's just out then leave him on your bench um what about Tyler Hero um what's his injury so he hasn't played since Saturday due to neck spasms. They haven't really stated the nature of this injury, and it seems he's kind of day-to-day -day at the moment. Most likely, he pulled one of his neck muscles, such as his upper fibers of traps, his sternocleidomastoid, or one of his levator scapulae muscles. Just keep following him uh, game to game and see maybe he'll play Friday or Saturday or into next week. We might see him back. All right. And um, what about Hassan Whiteside? Yeah, so Hassan Whiteside strained one of his left hip flexors and hasn't played since last Wednesday. He's considered day-to-day -day all of this week, so most likely we're dealing with a first-degree strain of the iliopsoas muscle group, which includes the two major hip flexors, your psoas major muscle and your iliacus muscle. He should be back by the weekend or early next week unless the trainers discover it's more of a second-degree strain. Okay, um, and then uh, could you just uh, go through some of the COVID-19, both the players and the teams that have kind of experienced uh, COVID-19 in the NBA? Yeah, 
Yeah, sure. So I'm going to start with Carl Anthony Towns. So he's from the Timberwolves. He tested positive for COVID-19 on Friday. He's going to now be in isolation. So I'd keep him off your roster. He's going to be out for at least 10 days. Um, so he's not really somebody that you can have in for the moment. Uh, moving on to uh, Jonas Valchunas. Also, uh, from sorry, from the Memphis Grizzlies, he entered the league's COVID list on Sunday and still remains out. We don't know if it's close contact or a positive test. Should it be close contact, we should see him early next week. If not, then it'll tell you that he had COVID-19 and then he'll be out a little longer. So he's someone you're going to kind of have to monitor in the next week or so. Then for the Wizards had kind of a COVID outbreak. They had six players who tested positive for COVID-19 and have not had a game since January 11th. Um, the contact tracing has put the majority of the team out and they had they have not had eight players to proceed with games. The next game is scheduled for this Sunday. Hopefully it won't get canceled and we'll have enough players uh, to return. None of the players, they have confirmed whether they've tested positive or not, but players such as Rui Hachimura and others are the ones that are quarantining. Um, and they mentioned as well that six of the players that tested positive, two of them are showing symptoms. So obviously they want to keep this contained so it does not spread. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting that there's been a lot of COVID outbreaks. I know there's been some in the NHL too, as we move to the NHL. Um, actually, yeah, before we start with the NHL injuries, could you just explain some of the COVID things going on there as well? Um, I know um, there's a, a couple teams on, on there. I know I know Dallas is getting their first game in this coming Friday after having the, the whole quarantine thing where they're just starting their season this Friday. Uh, could you explain some of the other COVID situations in the league? Yeah, so I'll start with Blake Coleman. He's from Tampa Bay Lightning. He was put on the COVID list most likely due to close contact and he's back. So we can assume he tested negative and showed no symptoms during that allotted time. He should be on the road trip this weekend. So he'll probably play Thursday against the Blue Jackets um, most likely. Um, moving on to Carolina Hurricanes, they were one of the teams that had an outbreak. They had three players that tested positive. They were all forwards on the teams, but they did not say who it was. Uh, because of the outbreaks, all of their games this week have been postponed and their training facility has been shut down until obviously full, fuller, further notice. The next game is slated to happen on Tuesday the 26th. We don't know which players have tested positive, but the first player that was placed on that COVID list last week was Jordan Stahl. So we can kind of assume that the outbreak started with him. Um, then moving on to Washington Capitals. Uh, so Washington Capitals have an interesting situation where they didn't really have any positive tests, but Alex Ovechkin, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Dmitry Olov, and Ilya Samsonov were all placed on the COVID-19 reserve after disobeying uh, COVID uh, rules. So what happened was they decided to gather in their hotel rooms together, even though it was against the rules. And because of that, the team, uh, most likely the NHL did that. They put them on the COVID-19 list. Unfortunately, there's no minimum requirement uh, to be on the COVID-19 list as they didn't really expect the players to kind of disobey the rules. So they didn't really set out an outline of how that would work if people disobey. So for now, they're on the list, but I assume they're just going to test them, see if they have any COVID symptoms in the next like 48 hours, see if they come back negative. And if they do, then they might play this weekend. I don't know how it's going to work. I guess we're going to see. Uh, and so just keep an eye out. Yeah, and I think NHL will probably make some new rules in terms of breaking exactly. uh, COVID uh, like protocols. Because I know the NFL like they uh, they were going to strip teams of draft picks and that kind of thing if there was mm -hmm. like stuff going on. Yes, uh, exactly. fines fines were definitely handed out um, for certain things. Mm -hmm. So I think that might happen. Um, exactly. Probably probably going forward. And then I think um, also to mention Carolina's game got postponed on Tuesday. 
their Thursday game also got postponed. So I assume that going forward, there'll be some games um, getting postponed for the Hurricanes. So uh, you might not get the Hurricanes players. Like I know Tara Vinen was also um, in in the protocol, uh, Jacob Slavin. There were a few other names that were in the protocol. So just uh, keep an eye on these guys. You might not get them back till next week. I'm going mm-hmm. into injuries. I will start with Sean Couturier. What happened with him? Yeah, so he suffered what first appeared to be a shoulder injury on Friday night against the Penguins. He then underwent an MRI on Saturday to see what was going on, and they found that he had a costochondral separation. So this is a type of rib injury where the rib actually tears away from the cartilage that binds it to your sternum bone. So all your ribs rack around and attach to the middle bone, um, and but they don't attach fully. They have a little bit of cartilage in between to allow, you know, when your ribs, sometimes you get a hit and it kind of compresses, it kind of allows for some leeway and room. But what actually happened is a costochondral separation is where the rib separates from that cartilage. Um, it's probably just ripped away. So that's obviously a very severe and painful injury. Uh, most likely he'll be out for at least a couple weeks, most likely at a more like a month's time though. Um, because that's normally uh, what it takes between a month or maximum two for that to fully heal. Mm -hmm. Of course, it will always depend on what rib it is. So if it's a rib higher up, it may not be as bad. Rather, if it's more like the ninth or 10th rib, the ninth or 10th ribs don't wrap all the way around you like the top seven or eight of them do. They wrap right around your body. So the majority of the rib is cartilage in the front. And if you get a costochondral separation, there's nothing preventing you. If you get a hit, you can easily break that rib or it can easily puncture internal things in your body because it has so much leeway and so much room because the cartilage does prevent it from uh, bounding too much in. So it's we obviously don't know which rib it is, but that's just an example of a reason why it may take longer than the two weeks or the month that he's most likely slated to. Yeah, and I guess that's why we recommended Kevin Hayes in the um hockey pickups exactly um, just because he'll be slotting into that number one spot he'll be getting all the top power play looks and so on and he's just been chipping in uh points for fantasy every game um moving on to patrick liney i know he was missing from monday's game against the leafs and also the the most recent game against the ottawa senators so what's up with patrick liney yeah, so Patrick Line is out with an upper body injury. Not enough has been released for us to know what's going on, as the NHL is normally pretty discreet with upper body versus lower body injuries. They don't normally announce something unless it's major. Um, so, but he has not played since last Thursday against the Flames. He's kind of deemed day to day, but it seems this injury is affecting his skating ability, as it says he had trouble warming up on the ice on Saturday sorry, on Sunday and Monday. And then again, on Wednesday, he came out to practice. So the coach could kind of check out his movement and then stated he's doubtful to play this Thursday. His upper body injury could be a number of things such as like a back muscle injury or even a core muscle injury preventing good skating movement or it could be something like a shoulder muscle strain preventing him from adequately shooting or handling the puck because things are so very vague, like I mentioned. I think we're just going to have to watch and see if he's slated to go this weekend. For now, I'd suggest keeping him on your bench for Thursday's game because even if he does play, if he's already having this trouble skating and he's not playing up to his best, they may not put him in as often as uh, often as they would or they might lower put him on a, like a lower line. Yeah, um, and um, as a Leafs fan, I was really excited when Nick Robertson made his debut uh, this uh, past weekend, and then he suffered a knee injury, and then they said he was going to be out uh, for a little bit. Uh, what's the extent of this knee injury for Robertson? 
Yes, so he sustained a knee injury in Saturday's game against Ottawa. After an MRI, he's expected to miss about four weeks of play, but they did not mention more any more regarding his injury, regarding like what it is. So kind of looking at this four-week timeline, it could be a number of different things. So obviously it could be a muscle injury such as a quad or hamstring strain or contusion that could be at like that second degree level. Um, it may also be a patellar like dislocation or subluxation. So dislocation would be obviously your patella, which is your kneecap dislocating and moving out of place or subluxation would be moving out of place, dislocating, but going back in. Um, with that, there'll be a lot of fiber tearing. So obviously he's going to need about four weeks of rehab with that. Um, also as well, um, this could be something like an MCL or LCL type of, of strain, sorry, sprain. Um, it could be more like a first, early, second degree strain. So that's why he might need four weeks recovery uh, or, or a droid capsules uh, sprain because they haven't told us much. We obviously don't know. Hopefully in the, couple, in the next couple of weeks, they'll give us an idea of what it is. And then maybe I can tell you a better timeline. But for now, um, just uh, put him on your IR as he's going to be out for the next four weeks. All right. Um, what about Robert Pertuzzo? I know some people have been relying on him for both hits and then in block shot leagues as well. So uh, what happened with him? Yeah, so he sustained an upper body injury after receiving a hit in the avalanche game. Nothing else, again, has come out regarding the nature of his injury. So since he's been placed on IR, we can assume he's going to be out for the rest of January. The NHL is always imprecise about how they deliver, describe their injuries, like I said. This obviously doesn't help us to know the nature of the, his recovery or his timeline at all. His upper body injury, like I mentioned with Lindley, could be pretty much anything. Just note he'll be out for the rest of January with that because he's been placed on IR. Um, and then do you have an update on Nico Heischer for New Jersey? Yeah, so Nico Heischer sustained a leg injury, which I mentioned a few weeks ago, which put him out of that regular training camp that was going on. We have not seen him since, and unfortunately, there's no timetable for his return. He's placed, been placed on that injured reserve, so if you have him, I would drop him for now as we don't know when things are going to materialize with him, or else you can place him on that IR if he's somebody that you really look to keep, and then hopefully we'll hear an update soon. Yeah, and even if he does come back, I doubt that he'll be given the number one center spot as we've seen the breakout of Jack Hughes so far yeah. uh, with that hat trick in his last game. So mm -hmm. um, I guess you're just going to have to expect limited minutes from Heischer when he does come back. Uh, what yeah. about Bruins defenseman Matt Grizzlick? Yeah, so Grizzlick on Monday got tied up with Jordan Eberle and kind of fell awkwardly in the game. It doesn't seem to be severe as he's practicing on Wednesday and is expected to play Thursday night against the Flyers. We don't know the nature of this injury again, but he stated that he's almost 100% and it's kind of related to something that he dealt with in the past. So we kind of wanted to make sure that he was all good and take a few, a few um, days to rest. Uh, but like I said, he should be good to go for Thursday. Um, and then what about Oliver Ackman Larson? Yeah, so he sustained a lower body injury on Saturday during a hit to the boards by Evander Kane. He was originally only slated to be day-to-day -day and miss only a couple games. He's now on IR, expected to miss three to four weeks. This injury could obviously be anything from a knee or a hip strain, sprain or contusion to more of a less common ankle or calf injury that you don't really see in a hockey. Three to four weeks would put him in that second degree range, so... I'd assume it's one of those injuries, like a knee or hip kind of sprain or strain. Yeah, that's why in our pickups, we said Jacob Chikrin is a must pick up because he'll be logging the most minutes for the Coyotes while Ekman Larson is out. Mm -hmm. um, moving on to Mika Zibanejad, what's his injury? 
Yeah, so on Tuesday, he sustained an injury after losing an edge and falling awkwardly and then slamming into the boards. Mm. He didn't practice on Wednesday, but it does not seem like something that will keep him out. As the coach says, he'll be back by Friday's game. So he's really nothing to worry about. Um, you can put him in your roster for Friday. All right. Um, what about Andre Burakovsky? I know that he was playing on the top line in Colorado. What happened with his injury? Yes. Yeah, so he had an upper body injury that's actually been nagging him for a while. So we don't really know what game he sustained this in. There was no clear hit for me to be able to see what it could possibly be. Um, he was not on the bench on Tuesday, nor did he practice Wednesday. Not much has been released on him. And he's kind of been la labeled, um, you know, day to day. All right. Um, and then what about goalie Pavel Francouz? Same thing, except he has a lower body injury that is sustained in practice. Um, he was not um, there on Tuesday, nor did he practice Wednesday like Burkowski, um, and not much more has been released on him. So again, he's been labeled day to day. Um, hopefully we'll see him. I don't know when their next game is. Uh, it could be Thursday. Do they still have that game on Thursday? Um, has it been um, moved around or anything um, i think they they're still currently slated to play on thursday okay that's good so yeah so it seems that they're hoping to play on thursday but we're just gonna have to watch them um just check the updates on thursday morning and hopefully we'll see them um and then what about tim stutzler yeah, so he had a minor injury that he got from a cross-check against the Leafs. Uh, Jake Muzzin actually cross-checked him. Uh, the team has no release on what it is, but it seems to be just day-to-day -day for now. He may play as soon as this weekend. Um, and then I know Boston fans are wondering if there's an update on David Pasternak, and also fantasy owners are wondering when they can see him back in their lineup. Yeah, so Pasternak, just a small update on him. He had been out with, a, like I mentioned early on, uh, a few podcasts ago, he had torn his right hip labrum. He received surgery on that in September. He's now back to practice with the team in a non-contact jersey, um, and he's been progressing well, so just practicing without contact. By next week, the coach actually believes he'll be back in that contact jersey and be back to that regular full practice. It's still a couple of weeks away from when he'll make his full return. So we should see him by early to mid-February um, and he should be back then and ready to go. And then one last injury, uh, we talked about Carter, Carter Hutton as a pickup and then um, he ended up sustaining an injury. So could you just go through this injury and, and tell us if he'll be out long-term and if people should still be picking him up? Yes, yeah, so Carter Hutton took an elbow to the head during the game on Tuesday in the second period, and he remained in the game until the end of the period until his kind of his adrenaline wore off, and then it was too painful to return. We have no information beyond what we saw, but he may be experiencing a one of two things. So concussion symptoms, obviously, and if so, he'll be entered into that concussion protocol. And once you're in that, he's probably going to be out for a week or so at minimum. He may also have a lot of neck pain is what I'm thinking as he was hit as a hit to the head, like an elbow to the head would have caused kind of a neck kind of whiplash effect. He may have soreness, which might've been that pain that they were talking about where it was too painful for him to return. Um, that might've been what was going on. So he might uh, have that kind of thing. If so, he may be out for the next week just to kind of rest his neck. So I'd continue to check the reports, but it seems this is kind of a day-to-day -day unless he has a concussion in which he might be labeled out with that. Yeah, so um, I guess people can still pick him up if he's just day-to-day, -day, but if he's out, then I guess people should just look elsewhere in yeah. terms of goalies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that wraps up the injury report. Uh, thanks again, Victoria, for your time. No problem. And um, just um, as, as we always say, uh, we're 
Our podcast is on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So go check us out. As well as we're on Instagram at Podcast Fantasy Fanatics and on Facebook under Fantasy Fanatics Podcasts. So um, just go check us out. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a listen. And um, once again, uh, to keep track of the hockey pool, we put a link in the description below. Um, uh, at the time of recording, um, Victoria, you were. Uh, on top but we'll have to see uh, where things are as of right now and then yeah we're let's hope for a great hockey season and uh, thanks again for listening to the fantasy fanatics podcast we'll see you for the next episode